0: friends, welcome back to the Ransom Heart Podcast with John Eldridge, Craig McConnell, and our friend Dan Allender. We're picking up part two of a conversation we began last time about restoration, about the human soul, the heart, the damage that's taken in this world, and the hope that the presence of Jesus actually does bring not just an ability to manage your brokenness— but actual restoration and something that three of us have not only brought to and ministered to other people, but we're we're currently experiencing. It's something that now, fresh, new, current for our own lives as well. So I just kind of want to jump back into the conversation on how God brings restoration.
1: Dan, could you – Unbutton these uh, arm sleeves that they're so tight this morning wrapped around my <laughs> body.
2: Well, we need to know that you're going to be safe before.
1: <laughs> I'll be safe, I promise. Uh, so, John, how about you? As you were saying with Dan, kind of uh, mapping out what you hoped and wanted and sense God, what was one of your passionate things to? communicate on the restoration of the heart.
0: It's interesting. It's almost like if you could draw a spiral on a piece of paper and it grows tighter and tighter and closer and closer towards the center, you know, over the years, we've talked about the masculine soul and the feminine soul. We've talked about father wounds and how defining they can be. And then Stacy introduced mother wounds and how defining they can be. And, you know, we've talked about how warfare jumps on this stuff and the Ephesians 4 dynamic of, man, if you if you let any of this just sort of get buried over years, the enemy just sets up camp there. And mm-hmm. you know, we tried to talk about the sort of the complicity of how, yes, woundedness, yes, self-protection, but then, man, the enemy in there and getting closer and closer to the center. We talked about damage to the soul and Now I feel like personally where Jesus has been taking me closer and closer to the center is the idea of integration. Like if there's one thing I kind of want to say now and one thing we want to talk about and also illustrate in the conference is we all have these younger places in us, that trauma, abandonment, assault warfare frankly will do it for the sensitive soul disappointment will do it we have these broken places in us and we were describing that sense of you're going along through your day and you're feeling good you know you're feeling 48 you're feeling 62 you know you're feeling 25 you're feeling your current age you're like yeah I'm I'm living well and I'm with god and and then something happens there's an event there's a news report you know, something, and suddenly you feel seven. You don't feel 38 anymore. You feel seven, you know, you feel 16, and you are. Like that reality is true. And, you know, Isaiah 61, where Lab shabar, the Hebrew for broken heart, is literal. It's not a metaphor. It's not poetic language to talk about those who are sad Jesus will comfort. Right, It's literally – anytime else Isaiah uses the expression, it's absolutely literal. It's branches that were broken. Mm. It's a vase that fell off a table onto the floor, shattered into actual pieces. And then in the New Testament when James is talking about the double-minded person being unstable, that word, that's not well translated. The word mm-hmm. literally means split soul. Mm. It's a split soul. And yes, you're going to be double-minded as a result of that. But double-mindedness is the is almost like the symptom. But what's the condition is this actual brokenness in us and what Jesus has been walking me through more and more in the last couple of years and just seeing the centrality, the importance, the beauty, the helpfulness of integration, of Having these young places that you were describing, sitting there with your counselor and suddenly there's a third grade Craig and a seventh grade Craig and Mm -hmm. having these places come back into one being. Mm -hmm. George MacDonald has this beautiful line where he says, gather my broken parts into a whole. Mm. Mm. Let mine be a merry, all-receiving heart and make it a whole with light in every part. Mm. Like, that's, that's what we want. We want wholeheartedness. Mm. And in order to get there, for me, as we were sitting around yesterday thinking, okay, what are the core, 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 core things? You know, we've only got two days. We've only got, you know, eight sessions. What can we get said? And for me, one of the first things I tagged up on the board was integration. We've got to talk about it, describe it, describe the process of how Jesus facilitates it,
2: ushers it in, in our lives. What a sense of hope that brings for me. I mean, even as we're talking now of I know some wholeness. I know what it is Mm -hmm. to be very broken Mm -hmm. and to be brought to a new level of Mm -hmm. connectedness, that there are parts that are coming into the wholeness of who I'm meant to be. And yet that awareness Equally of – just even as we were praying yesterday and at one point you said, you know, we need to pray about chaos and that's part of the warfare that seems to be against me quite often. And your ability to name, you know, you bring when you walk into a room a certain amount of warfare. What would keep us from being able to get done what we need to get done? Well – we had to pray against my own capacity, but even that careful language of, no, it's not me, yes. but it's the warfare that comes with the broken parts of my own story and life. So to be able to name that and to go back to that phrase of to do that without feeling accused, yes, to feel that at the level, of, of course, the last thing I want to bring into a room is chaos. My chaos, yes, to some degree, but the chaos that accompanies The broken parts of my Mm. own life, Mm. and and then to be able to know, oh my goodness, Dan, there is so much more healing ahead. Mm. You know, one of the things that we're going to do in this conference is to invite a person to engage their story with us. So rather than just teaching, we're going to have what you have called in the past a clinic, a, a kind of live demonstration. And. I'd like to volunteer for that. <laughs> I would
0: too. It was so funny. <laughs> Stacy was asking last night. Was, we were sitting at dinner and Dan and I were talking about the conference and what we're going to do and we're going to explain these different categories of trauma and brokenness and then the hope of integration and how it happens. And Stacy's like, can I be that person? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Love to. Yeah. Be a long line.
2: Well, I don't know if that's true, (laughs) but at least to those who know that there is that brokenness. But also the freedom that you have already known in the gospel Mm. gives you that allure and taste of if this is as good as it is, I want more. And that more, knowing it really is available, but back to that frame of you can't find it when you're hiding. And you've got to open your heart to being able to name some of the damaging events that evil has used, but also your own part of resentment that has allowed that foothold to take place. It's a frame of repentance that opens the heart to the kindness of God. It's just, in one sense, who would not want? Yeah, huge.
1: I know story is important to both of you, and I know that's going to come up in the conference. Say a little bit more about that. That may not be a familiar term to some of the listeners today. Well, let's just start with one thing.
2: The events of the past form us. And those formative moments have a chance to really be changed. But you can't change the past if you don't engage it. And so the simple point of – you know, I mean, Toynbee and others have said in a much more cultural sense that any country or people group is doomed to repeat the past if they don't know it. Well, if that's true with large cultures, why wouldn't it be true for an individual? If we don't know our past, we're going to repeat it. And often we repeat it thinking it's inevitable and even more tragic that it really is good. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. there is much good about even how the harm of the past has formed me, but We want more wholeness and part of that labor is will we open our heart to how generations, not just even our own past but our family Mm. and then Mm. generational sin Mm. has an influence. So even the role of curses against you, your family, against your people have to be engaged in order for there to be a full sense of freedom.
0: Huge. Huge. Craig, I think people's confusion about the importance of story partly comes from we've been given a very propositional Christianity, that we have a body of truth that is so precious to us. Here is what the cross accomplished. Here is your hope of resurrection. Here is the assurance of forgiveness. You know, We have these Jesus of Nazareth really is the son of the living God. We have these core truths that we cling to, but we forget that when God tells all of that, he tells it in the form of story. God is a storyteller. God is writing a story, the story of the human race, your own story. And the scriptures are given to us in the format of a story. The Bible doesn't read like a theology textbook. God could have written a theology textbook and it would have been very interesting to read. But why didn't he? Why did he choose instead, you know, the book of Acts? Well, then we went here and then we went there and there was this shipwreck. And, you know, you're kind of reading this going, get to the point. Give us the good stuff, you know. (sighs) God is a storyteller, a story maker, Uh and we are as well. And so in order to get to the truth, in order to uncover these things, of course you have to engage story. As soon as you begin to name some of these simple realities, uh, you know, Eugene Peterson says, you live in narrative. You live in story. Existence has a story nature to it. And only by unpacking the story can you get to these things, whether it's the healing that you want or, frankly, also the warfare. You know, as I listen to someone's story, I'm picking up massive data. Mm -hmm. You know, you pick up themes. Mm Of oh, there's the same thing of fear, and it was here, and it was here, and it was here and it mm-hmm. here, and do you see this repeating in your life, and the person begins to go, oh my gosh i've been I've been attacked by fear all my life, you know, and then you're really in a place to deal with it, having exposed it and brought it into the light rather than just kind of this quick. Uh, Why don't we pray against fear today? Uh You know, it's not enough to stand apart from the story. Entering into the story will open up doors for both healing and to get the darkness out of here.
1: Yeah. One of the other benefits, it would seem to me, is you get hints about your glory, about who you were made to be, who you are, a sense of identity that – goes back to prior to creation mm-hmm. when God made you mm-hmm. or had you in mind. Exactly. It's so
2: hopeful mm-hmm. to know that the heartbreak of our past God intends to bring goodness out of it. That mm-hmm. simple phrase and yet profound mm-hmm. of Joseph at the end of his long narrative, mm-hmm. you meant it for evil and mm-hmm. God meant it for good. No explanation, mm-hmm. uh, yet the holding mm-hmm. of that reality of the intent of one is not going to cancel out the intent of God Mm -hmm. and weaving Mm -hmm. into our lives this tapestry of heartache and yet hope. It allows us to live death and resurrection in a way Mm -hmm. in which we invite through our story into the larger story. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times over the last decade, you know, I've prayed the morning prayer. You know, I am not – the hero of my story. (laughs) I mean, if there's a phrase, there are many phrases in that morning prayer, but if there's just one that when it said it rings so true Mm. but so hopeful, Mm. I'm so glad I'm not. I get to be part of the stage and part of the act, Mm -hmm. but thank God I'm not the lead
1: in this. Mm -hmm. John, Dan, what else is your thinking of this conference? Just stands out as something you're Looking forward to presenting to those attending.
0: Dan and I have had many conversations privately, offline, not recorded, not written down, not in any book, but great stuff that now we get a chance to do it on stage. Kind of the format is one of us will, quote, teach a session for about 45 minutes or so and then the other will come up and we will interact on it. And I am really looking forward to that. You know, it's the opportunity to go, wait, what? Say some more about that. I'm not sure I buy that. You know, and just the back and forth and the playfulness, the repartee, but also the unpacking of these things. You know, John, when you said such and such, that actually made me think of something I read years ago. And off we go on, you know, into some deeper, more beautiful understanding.
2: Almost brings tears because to go play with one of my dearest friends on the earth about the things that matter most to us but also the reality that I don't know if there's a single human being who has meant more for my movement into an understanding of grace than John. Mm -hmm. So I've certainly challenged some of what he has thought but mostly what I've done is profited from the interaction. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say – At one level, I can't wait to be able to teach and to be part of this. But also I know that it will be a transformative experience for me in the process. So I love the idea of being able to minister to others. Of course, how else are we meant to be? But if it's not a benefit to us. So for the person coming, if you're not coming for your own restoration, come on. If you actually think that it's already beyond you, I don't think you'll like what you're going to hear. But the person who knows, they give a lot but they also are meant to have so much more. That just excites me to be with that kind of person who's engaged in the battle but also knows that they need more to be faithful in the battle.
0: We keep referring to the conference and if this is new to you, let me explain what we're talking about. Dan and I are putting on a two day conference in Colorado Springs on March fourth and fifth, so all day Friday, all day Saturday, kind of eight in the morning till dinner time, unpacking sort of the best of kind of going back through you know our respective experience in bringing restoration to others and our own stories of restoration and kind of cherry picking really, and saying you know if we could boil it down to some essential categories and process here's what it looks like you know so here we are in january and it's a time of year that people think about i want this year to be different i want my life to be different like are you kidding me like come to this conference this is probably a one time thing dan has a very full world he has you know the seattle school of theology and psychology, he has the Allender Center, they have their own conferences, he's got his own clients, you know, we have a very full life here at Ransomed Heart, as you know, and so I don't know that this will ever be repeated, but here it is, here's this opportunity in March for both men and women, young and old, who want more personal restoration and also want more understanding of how to help facilitate it. In the lives of others and in the people that they love, their children, their spouses, their friends, the people in their church communities. And of course, for those in the helping professions, pastors and social workers and counselors, therapists like, this is gold. It's gold. So I don't know what you're doing March 4th and 5th, but I can't imagine it's more important than partaking of the presence of Jesus the presence of Jesus, to bring about restoration. We're going to teach on it. We're going to dialogue about it. Then we're going to model it, live demonstration. And then we're going to also help invoke it right there in the audience as well. So Mm. that's what we mean when we Mm. talk about the Restoration of the Heart Mm. Conference here in Colorado Springs, March 4th and 5th.
1: Just the crowd, just the audience it brings Will be very enjoyable too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the informal interactions and conversations and right, uh, yeah, it's so rich. In
0: fact, we intentionally didn't fill the evenings. There are no evening sessions, and we did that because we knew people would want to talk about it with oh, yeah. one another. And also, the lunch periods are extra long. For the same reason, just to allow, like, whoa, that morning, did you see what happened and what was going on for you? And Mm. the opportunity to talk about it with others just informally in Mm. meals and in the hallways and interacting on that.
1: Mm. So good.
0: Friends, I hope that you hear our excitement in this. And what a rich experience it's going to be. Really hope you can join us. More information either on our website at ransomedheart.com or at restorationconference.com. We'll show you how to get here and hotel deals and the conference details and registration and that sort of thing as well. Sure hope you can join us. It'd probably be the highlight of your year. I think I can make that promise without overstating things. I know it's going to be the highlight of our year. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the Ransom Heart podcast. John and Craig here with special guest these last two times, Dan Allender. Dan, thanks for being with us. John,
1: Craig, always a delight to be with you.